tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. A lot of us quit drinking, and yes, I'm using air quotes, and we go back and forth for a long time, beating ourselves up for being too weak to stick with it. In this episode, I want to discuss how alcohol impacts our ability to make decisions based on our goals, what actually making the decision looks like, and how you can get closer to quitting for good. So let's dig in. trying to moderate, I kept saying, I'm never drinking again, or 
I'm not drinking Monday through Wednesday, but then I would always drink the same day. So what was going on there? Why did I keep doing that for years? The truth is I didn't want to quit drinking or take a break. I wanted to find a way to keep alcohol in my life, and that's what keeps most of us from really quitting. We say we want to quit, and we get a few days, weeks, or months in, but then we go back and beat ourselves up for it. A lot of this is convincing ourselves that we can moderate now, socializing and falling back into it, or having a big negative emotion and coping with alcohol. I did something different when I quit for good. I realized that I can never change the way that I drink, and I accepted it. I can't leave the door open. I spent years trying to quit before, but maintained hope of one day figuring out how to drink, and that's why I always went back. You have to let that hope go. In our community meeting last weekend, we talked about justification and minimization of our drinking. We will find a way to rationalize why it's okay to drink as long as we leave that door open. Any form of weather, even if it's too windy, is a good reason to drink. Every summer, people write me and they say, I can't imagine not drinking, everybody's sitting outside in the nice weather. And then every fall, people write me and they say, they can't imagine not cozying up on the couch in the cold weather and drinking. It doesn't matter the weather. It's always good weather to drink. Similarly, any kind of social event, even the most minor celebration possible, or feeling like we deserve a treat, will bring us back to drinking. So as long as you leave that door open, you're going to talk yourself back into it. So how do we close the door then? We are so good at lying to ourselves and keeping things out of our awareness that it's difficult. I had a rock bottom moment. I explained the time that I quit for 90 days in episode 164, but after that, I really believed I was cured, only to find that my drinking quickly returned right back to where it was before I did the 90-day challenge. All the bad things came right back into my life, like the anxiety and self-hatred that kept me up all night. And eventually I realized, this is just the way I drink. The self-hatred was so intense that it scared me and I was afraid I would do something about it when I was drunk. Realizing that those thoughts will always come with my drinking made me accept that I just can't drink. So I consider that my rock bottom moment that shocked me out of denial and I'll explain more about that process in the brain in a bit. You can't control when that moment will come. So what I've seen from people in my community who have quit long term is that they get sick of their own crap or they realize they're going to have significant health consequences if they continue down that path. I've seen a pretty good mix of people that have made the decision one day and that was it and the chronic relapsers who keep trying to make the decision but don't. What I've observed with the chronic relapsers is they slowly begin to prioritize themselves, set boundaries, learn self-care, develop self-awareness, and the drinking begins to fade away. They learn from each setback, and they learn to lean on their support system consistently. And eventually, they don't have that need for alcohol anymore, and it's easier for them to quit for good. There are two decision-making circuits in the brain, goal-directed and automatic. 
When we have to make a decision, the brain uses changes in our motivational state to adapt our behavior to match our goals, or it just performs a habitual automatic action. As addiction develops, we move from goal-directed behaviors toward more habitual automatic behaviors. The goal-directed process and automatic process are controlled by two different parts of the striatum in the brain. And it's thought that addiction strengthens the part of the brain that controls automatic processes and weakens the goal-directed part. So to me, this is similar to what happens as we lose our off switch, which I described this process in episode 125. This would make it easier for the brain to go with the habitual instant gratification response instead of selecting actions that align with our goals and help future us. That's a more complicated decision. The thing is, most behaviors start out as goal-directed. So you have a drink because you want to unwind after a long day, but eventually the behavior transitions into something automatic. The key difference between a goal-directed behavior and an automatic behavior is that goal-directed behaviors are sensitive to the value of the reward, and habitual automatic behaviors are not. So as you routinely drink one drink to unwind, it will eventually become more drinks. Just by having more drinks, you're increasing the risk of negative consequences showing up. A take-it-or-leave-it drinker would recognize a negative routine forming, and they would begin to adjust their drinking so they don't have so many hangovers or bad sleep. That's an example of a goal-directed behavior. As the hangovers and consequences start to show up, the value of alcohol decreases for the take-it-or-leave-it drinker. So since they value alcohol less, they drink less. Problem drinkers would be more likely to blame themselves for the negative consequences and continue on drinking. Our behavior is automatic, so the value and consequences don't have much of an impact until it gets really bad. It takes time for our brains to recover, and if you want to learn more about that, go back and listen to episode 196. But during the healing process, your decision-making ability is still disrupted, and that makes it easy to return to automatic, instant gratification behavior. This is why we have to get support. We have a famous saying in my community from one of our beloved members. Don't trust your thoughts in the first 30 days. Trust us. The first 30 days are hard, and your brain is going to do everything it can to convince you to drink again because it thinks you need alcohol. That's why it's important to not do it alone. It's difficult when you have take-it-or-leave-it friends or a spouse that drinks a little bit and they will easily co-sign on you wanting to drink. Maybe they'll even encourage it. So it's very easy to stick with your commitment when your brain is still in that automatic state. I found an interesting study about how alcohol itself, not addiction, impacts our decision-making abilities. A 2012 study published in Biological Psychiatry had two groups of people, and both included men and women. They ate three chocolate bars, and then they played a computer game to win more chocolate, water, or nothing in each round. After eating the three chocolate bars, the researchers had everybody rate their desire for chocolate and their desire for water. Everyone basically had the same ranking. Then at the end of the test, the group who had consumed alcohol ate way more chocolate. 
despite not really having a strong desire for it. The researchers determined that this was because alcohol was turning down the goal-directed path in the brain and keeping them on an automatic reward loop where they kept going for more chocolate. It was a big difference. About 18% of the group that had no alcohol chose to eat more chocolate compared to about 45% of the alcohol group. And the alcohol group wasn't slammed either. They only had about two standard drinks, which to us might sound like a complete waste of time. So think about this with our drinking. This was one instance of having two standard drinks, which isn't even really worth it to most of us, and that was enough to cause a 2.5 times increase in automatic decision-making despite not desiring more chocolate. So think about what your drinking could be doing to your ability to make a good decision. This is why support is essential while your brain goes through that initial healing process so that you can stick with your commitment and not return to automatic behavior. So I think the first step here is to be honest with yourself. Are you still hoping that you can find a way to moderate or to just drink on special occasions sometimes? If that's the truth, then there's no reason to shame yourself and beat the crap out of yourself for not being able to quit drinking because you don't actually want to quit. You want to drink. You should also ask yourself, are you resistant to getting support or trying things differently? If so, then make the decision today to take the next step. I have a bunch of resources in the show notes that can help you too. Ask yourself, is your life filled with triggers, resentments, unhealthy relationships, and destructive thinking patterns, then you would probably benefit from learning to navigate those things. Like I was talking about the chronic relapser group that I've observed in my community. As they learn these skills and they work on their triggers, they start to have improvement with their drinking. So that would be the people that are more resistant to the rock bottom or may never reach that point. This is all stuff that I teach in my anger management class too. So what I want you to do is spend some time reflecting on what you need to move forward today and then do one thing to take action. Don't overanalyze. Don't minimize how bad it is. Don't justify why you're different from everyone else. Just take one action today that would help you get on the right path. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate if you could leave a five-star rating and a review. I read them all. I appreciate you so much, and I will talk to you in the next one. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. 
So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.